Hello, folks. Welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football. With your host, of course, Griff here. And this is going to be a short review um, of the Super Bowl, which this Super Bowl 54, I think that was the name. It was... um. It was a, a, an awesome game, nevertheless. You had basically, you know, refreshed teams, if you will. Like, it wasn't the Patriots who you know, are nearly there every single year. Um, it certainly wasn't the a, a quarterback from the AFC that you've always known of, uh, which, you know, ever since 2004, it's always either been Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl, leading the Steelers, uh, Peyton Manning in the AFC, both for the Colts and the Denver Broncos, one year for Joe Flacco, and then the rest, you know, dominated with, by Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I'm telling you, like, look it up. Ever since 2004, at least for the AFC side, it's always been those four quarterbacks. Uh, other than Joe uh, Flacco being an anomaly, because it was one year, it was 2012. Um, you know, the NFC, a lot of different teams, you know, shift because the NFC, um, in its own right is so competitive. It's so very difficult to predict to see what teams will make it compared to the AFC because the AFC, you can like predict three or four teams easily and feel like, you know, Hey, this is. This is a team that's gonna make to the that's gonna make it to the playoffs. As for the NFC, you can probably only predict one, two uh, teams tops to say, well, these teams I feel like are definitely gonna make the playoffs, and the rest are just you know up in the air. Uh, but again, we get to see Patrick Mahomes leading the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and then we got to see the 49ers. Um, which I believe last year's NFC representative was the Rams. The year before before that was the Eagles. Uh, the year before that was the Falcons. Um, the year before that was the Panthers. Seahawks before Seahawks before um, 2012 49ers. Twenty eleven Giants. So yeah, I'm I'm like going back and back and back, but we've had like a nice mixture is what I'm saying from you know NFC teams. Um but you know 49ers without history have have been a dominant NFC team. Uh the recent years they have not been, but to go from you know four and twelve with a second overall pick the previous year, um Drafting Nick Bosa to now uh, being in the Super Bowl and evidently, unfortunately, losing um, is not only a great turnaround and having such a great year, um, but it, it took a long process, at least within two years since Kyle Shanahan has been there, along with John Lynch as a GM, to build towards and have that team be ready and, and be able to compete. Uh, to not only, you know, again, make playoffs and win their division, but also, again, make it to the Super Bowl, which is what they did. And evidently, they lost. You know, they're up 20 to 10, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Then the Chiefs forced a three and out. Then it was like third and 18, something like that. And Mahomes makes like a 44 yard bomb. And then throws a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, ended up being 20 to 17 with like six minutes left in the game, I believe. Um, the 49ers on a key third 
and four, Jimmy Garoppolo. It was either second and five. No, second and four. The uh, 49ers were at least led by Kyle Shanahan calling offense plays. Wanted to call quick pass. Um, and it, you know, the pass concept, or at least the play that was associated, um, was a good play call because they got George Kittle, an all pro tight end, on an old ass Terrell Suggs. And Terrell Suggs, by this point in his career, is only known for pass rushing. He is not known uh, for coverage. That was a complete mismatch. But once that ball was thrown, it was batted by Chris Jones. Then they called another pass play. It was an overthrown pass. Um, then there was a punt. Chiefs scored again, took the lead. Three minutes left in the game. The Chiefs forced a fourth and ten. But the third and ten, Jimmy G threw a long six-yard bomb uh, to Emmanuel Sanders, who got open, who was bracketed on double coverage, but got open because he was faster than the guys covering him, just running a simple go route. And Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew him by three to four yards. Could you make an argument that Emmanuel Sanders could have died for it? Yeah, but it still would have been an incompletion just based on the trajectory and where that ball was going to hit and how far Emmanuel Sanders was from the pinpoint of where the ball was going to hit the ground. Um, and then it was 4th and 10, pass rush got to Jimmy G, forced an incompletion, Chiefs scored, and basically just ended the game there. Um, so another late comeback by the Chiefs, and a lot of people are criticizing Kyle Shanahan, saying, wow, what another um, game that he lost by leading by 10-plus points. Of course, it was more infamous back in 2016 when the Falcons played the Patriots. If you're a Falcons fan, please be warned, uh, or... Please be warned that this might trigger or might alarm uh, you about the 25-point uh, <clears throat> deficit that the Patriots were down to the uh, to the Falcons, and then the Patriots came back. And evidently, a lot of people criticized Kyle Shanahan, the offense coordinator at the time, including head coach Dan Quinn, even though he's a defensive-minded coach, for wanting to throw the ball a lot in that game. Which, okay, fair, fair, fair criticism. But they weren't averaging a bunch of rushing yards in that game. It was literally the passing attack is what helped the Falcons kind of command that 25-plus lead as well as a pick six. Um, however, again, um, it just so happens that the Patriots made a key plays. The Falcons' dr offensive drive stalled. And then there were penalties involved, and then turnovers again, and evidently led the Patriots to winning. And much like this game, you know, the team was averaging about seven rushing yards per carry. And that's not from, like, run, one running back. It was from Mostert, who was a running back. It was from Samuel on those wide receiver reversal runs. You know, you can make the argument, why not just pound the ball? But you also have to recognize that Kyle Shanahan... Also called more pass plays in that game. Um, and a lot of those pass plays were on play action up until, you know, that nine-minute mark where he felt that, hey, we can have some good advantages here um, because the Chiefs were really closing in on the run. And so when you think that play action would be effective just because of them so focused on run, you would think that on the run, you would think that it, it, it would work. And... Um, 
at some point of those drives it did when they turned into touchdowns. And then um, on the others, it just, again, happened to have a few, fee, a, 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 a few key plays that ended up turning the tide into the Chiefs' favor. However, you can also blame Garoppolo for having missed throws. There were some times where he had a clean pocket and he just missed the receiver. Um, you can also blame on some drops. But again, Jimmy Garoppolo had play action and he certainly missed, again, throws that could have, you know, had extend drives. Um, but I really felt like during that two week Super Bowl preparation, um, that the Chief, that the 49ers were really wanting to do play action. Um, because they felt that it would be more effective considering that the Chiefs game defensive play, uh, defensive game plan, which is what it seemed to me from looking at the game and as it played out for them to stop the run. That was, that was what I felt like was going to be the difference maker was if the Chiefs can stop the run and put in their pass rush or help their pass rush, then they would have a good chance to uh, help the team and help Patrick Holmes in the offense to have more opportunities to score points, which is what happened in the fourth quarter. Um, so, again, there's a mixture here of some key plays, miss throws from Jimmy Garoppolo, and, um, you know, evidently they were not up 25 points this time. Um, they were only up by 10, and there were just key plays, again, the 49ers did not make, and the Chiefs ended up making. Um, I hate for this to be like a stigma or something that just follows Kyle Shanahan forever, saying that he can't win the big one just because of the comebacks that have happened. Um... I really do feel like he'll win a Super Bowl eventually with the roster that he has and the players that he, that he has as well. Um, but man, um, if you're a quarterback to the team and you can't make simple throws or at least make throws under pressure because you are expected to do that, um, you really you end up just hurting your team at the end. Because um, eventually the Chiefs were crowding the box. And a lot of these runs that were extended to 7 plus yards, a lot of them was out of shotgun runs with like a quick fake throw from Jimmy Garoppolo. And then there's your standard stretch runs or zone runs uh, within the zone run scheme that Kyle Shanahan is known for. Um, and then there's also that non-pass interference call or... Or the offensive pass interference call that was called on George Kittle. I felt like that was a good call in the and uh, within the 30 seconds left in the first half kind of deal. Yes, that probably would have given them a field goal there. Um, but evidently, when they came back in the or when they opened up in the second half, they scored off of play action to Kyle's Kyle Uzcheck. Um, so there were some balances of of. Uh, mixtures of passes and runs, and majority of those passes were were play action, and majority of those runs were either um, in a twenty-two personnel or a two tight end, two running back, one receiver personnel, or multiple tight ends, 
uh, personnel, which I think is called 13, and then running out of the shotgun, uh, which was effective for them, I would at least say for the majority of the game up until, you know, the fourth quarter where the Chiefs are coming back. So again, this is this is the review. Is it was a key uh, a, a few key plays, um, good throws from Mahomes, um, the Chiefs adjusting to the 49ers pass rush, also the 49ers defensive plays that that were called um, by Robert Sala uh, were not executed. There are miscommunications there, and. Um, miss throws from Jimmy Garoppolo to kind of help extend drives. Um, and so again, congrats to the Chiefs on winning on winning the Super Bowl. So I do look forward to this upcoming uh, season. Uh, you know, as a Browns fan, I hope they make playoffs. As a Texans fan, I hope they make the Super Bowl. And as a Packers, I hope they make the Super Bowl too. Um, I imagine that the NFC will change drastically. I don't think the AFC will. I think I think in terms of predictions, which I don't often do, I do think for the AFC at least, I think New England, no matter what the quarterback situation is going to be, as well as the Chiefs, uh, Texans, and I will say Baltimore are going to make the playoffs again. I know Houston isn't as talented as the other teams, or as good as the other teams I just mentioned, but they still have some from uh, some few key players there that make a huge impact on the team. And of course, Watson being in his fourth, fourth, yeah, fourth season within Bill O'Brien's uh, offensive system. So looking forward to that. Um, but nevertheless, thank you so much for listening to my review here. Um, just a little update real quick before I end this, uh, this episode. I'm still working on a second blog. I just haven't decided what that blog's going to be just yet. Um, I will post the, 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 the website on my, uh, Instagram account. Just look up Griff Talks Football and the link to that website will be there. I've also uploaded a YouTube channel, so, um... The episode that you will see right now is when I was talking about the free agency, which is what you had listened to um, last week on this podcast. And you're able to see me talk about it visually if you're more of like a visual learner, if you will. Um, so, and then I'm still starting by next Wednesday. We'll be doing my YouTube series, Drawing Up Plays, and explain why these plays work in these particular coverages and why they wouldn't work. And why these particular defensive coverages will work against, you know, this offensive play. So basically, you know, vice versa. Um, so I'm very excited to share that with you uh, for next Wednesday. That link will also be in my Instagram account, Griff Talks Football. And I'm working really hard. I am on uh, season two. So I'm still studying some RPO tapes, uh, which um, that will be released uh, this year. I'm not going to say when. But what I will say, though, is that March 4th, uh, around 9 a.m. Central, is when my first episode of Season 2 will drop. And that first episode is going to be practice. Or, as Alan Iverson puts it, I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice.
yes, we are talking about we are talking about practice, uh, Mr. Allen Iverson. Um, but no, practice. Um, it may not always be fun, or at least players may not find it as. Uh, as cool as games are, as exciting games are, uh, coaches may view it as just you know another hassle. But again, practice itself sh- should be exciting just based on not only the preparation that is involved for the game plan, but you have an opportunity to work on your craft uh, within your offensive and defensive and even special teams identity, whatever it may be. Um, but also, again, you have the you have the opportunity to bond as a team and to work together as a team um, to reach a common goal um, in mind, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term goal. And I'll explain more of that again, May 4th, not May, I'm sorry, March 4th, 9 a.m. Uh, first episode we dropped on this podcast. Um, I may drop it as well as my, uh, on my YouTube channel. So nevertheless, thank you so much again for listening, guys. And remember, um, always have a kick-ass day. See y'all soon.